Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. It's always nice to be at, at the Bible conference. And uh, I've been coming to these conferences for about uh, 35 years. For someone only 40 years old, that's pretty good. <laughs> <coughs> but I'm fudging this a little bit. But I'm happy to be... be uh, with you again this year. We, we enjoying a very good year at school. We, we are happy to have some of your, your young people enrolled uh, at the college. And God is blessing us real, real fine. I, uh, I'm celebrating today my, my third month anniversary of being away from uh, uh, surgery, and say so after I catch my wind, no telling what'll happen. <laughs> if I don't catch my wind, no telling what'll happen. <laughs> Amen. If you have your Bible, I presume you do. This is a Bible conference, but uh, I'd like to read to you from the book of First Peter. And I'll read the first chapter, the 12th verse. This is the, the very capable Apostle Peter writing to those Christians that uh, are in the midst of suffering and in the midst of persecution. And he is writing to them, admonishing them how to conduct themselves under these trying circumstances in light of the gospel they have received. So what he's saying to them is it might be rough, but you are especially equipped to handle the roughness. And uh, persecution might be knocking on your door, but when you answer the door, you're not standing in the doorway by yourself. Amen. And so he's uh, encouraging them reminding them of what they have. I've heard some say that Peter was not not a very uh, a learned man, and maybe he wasn't in a formal education. But if anyone knew how to communicate, uh, Peter knew how to communicate. You never, never heard him preach and then walk away and wonder what he meant. You know, you, you always, you always knew what he meant, you know. Somebody told me one time at a general conference, said, I don't know what the preacher said, but he is fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure that uh, you ever had that problem with Peter. And now he writes to them, and to me it's obvious that he draws on all of his, his, uh, resources to, to nail down real tight and to prove his point. This is what he said. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us that did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. And uh, it, uh, I can almost visualize uh, the brilliant mind of Simon Peter as it whirls around, reaching for the, the proper components to be sure that he uh, he's understood. So he, he, he said, now listen, folks, we are the recipients of a, of a fantastic experience. First, he calls it gospel. He said, uh, we have received the gospel. And that's, that's, uh, that's the good news. That, uh, the good news is not that he died, but the good news is that he's, he's no longer dead said that we, we have received gospel. 
and he's trying to inject into them encouragement. And so first it's gospel, and then he wonders, does that say it all, or, or does, it, does, does that one word prove my point? So he reaches back, and he adds to that. He said, not only is it gospel, but it came unto you with the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost. And that's, that's enough to shout about. But he, he, he's still reaching. Just try to be real careful that for sure they understand his heart. He said, in fact, not only is it gospel, and not only has it come unto you with the Holy Ghost, but he said it, it, it even came down from heaven. You know, he's just, he just making good gooder. You know, he, uh, it's, it's good news. And it came to you on the wings of the Holy Ghost, and it flew out of heaven. I mean, what, what, what more could you want? But he's not pleased yet. And, and by now, they're kind of on the edge of their seat, and he wants to get them off their seat. And he says, uh, uh, and he minds just the whirling, and he says, uh, let me tell you something else. He said, not only is it gospel, not only did it come unto you with the Holy Ghost, not only did it come down from the portals of heaven, but he said, uh, let's face it. He said, we are the envy of angels. He said, the angels desire to look into what we enjoy. And it's kind of like putting the icing on the cake. Because all uh, the cake was nutritious and well-baked, but it wasn't very fancy. And so he comes back with that last statement, puts all the curly cues on top of the cake, all the roses and, and the icing. He said, angels wish they had what we got. Uh, they they desire to look into what we are a part of. Praise God. With that in mind, I'd like to read to you from uh, what I call my angelic neighborhood. It's uh, Luke, the first chapter, the 26th verse. Could I have a little more monitor, a little more sound, please? And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. Verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angels, How shall this be? Verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Verse 26, angels. Verse 28, angels. Verse 30, angels. Verse 34, angels. Verse 35, you guessed it, angels. In fact, he even named one angel by name, and, and his name was Gabriel. I want to preach to you this morning uh, the thought, Gabriel is just an angel. And I don't mean justified, uh, I mean only. Gabriel is only. Gabriel at his best is just an angel. That's all he is. You may be seated. Oh. Uh, uh, who would have thought 25, 30 years ago when, when uh, the subject of angels was handled mainly by 
by the writers of, of fairy tales and you know, 25, 30 years ago, few folk really admitted the real existence of angels. And, uh, but time, uh, of course I'm referring to the not apostolics, but uh, years ago, except for us, and a few more maybe like us, nobody really thought angels was real. There were just tooth fairies that, that swapped quarters for, for teeth, you know. But, uh, but we have all lived long enough now that a Baptist could write a book entitled Angels, and the book could be a bestseller. Uh, we, we have lived long enough to, to realize that there is a world that, that we see, and that world is real. And then there is a world that we don't see, and that world is just as real as the one we see. And in that world, there are evil spirits. And if you don't believe they're there, look around at the erosion of life, and it, it should be proof that there's something out there eating away at the foundation of everything that we hold dear. And not only are they evil spirits, but they are ministering spirits of God. Yes. They're, they're called angels. Somebody said that biblically they could prove there were 400 trillion angels. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's right, but if, if he's half right, 200 trillion angels, that is not so bad. You know? I mean, there's, uh, angels are real. They're, they're, they're actually real beings, and uh, they are there to, to minister and to obey the commands of God. David said they had cell and power. Uh, they are mighty, they are quick. When they are instructed to do so, they act very decisively. Uh, they, they don't hesitate in, in, in uh, dealing with with their commissions, but uh, they are quick, they are strong. Satan knew that if Jesus would cast himself from the high pinnacle, he said, you don't need to worry. That uh, if, if you are who you say you are, and if everything is like you say it is, Satan said, we both know that if you did leap off the high pinnacle, you would never hit the bottom. Because angels from, from uh, every, every corner of the globe would rush to your assistance and they'd be there before you could bounce at the bottom. And they'd cushion your fall and set you down light. Because Satan knew that, uh, and he ought to know about uh, uh, how quick they could move because he, uh, he, he, uh, uh, he set a world record. And... Uh, going into the face. I mean, he went, he went backwards quicker than, than lightning. Uh, I mean, uh, angels are, are powerful. They are really something. And, and uh, uh, several years ago, I was preaching the church I pastored, and I noticed a stranger in the pew. And then I noticed that he was very much under conviction and he wept, and he got nervous, and he got kind of antsy, and, and, and uh, the Holy Ghost all over him. Made the altar call, and the man would not move. He wept, he cried, but he would not make a move to God. And I, I stood there kind of in a tug of war reaching for him. I pantomimed, I signaled, and, and I waved all kind of all messages. But, uh, but the man would not pray. And I went on and on and on, reaching, pulling, pleading, asking, do it for me, do it for you, do it for us, do it for him, do it for somebody. <laughs> but he, he, just, he, just, he just wouldn't do it. And finally I give up. And I was, I was discouraged because I knew he was under conviction. And I invited the whole church to come pray. And I was backing away from the pulpit already, kind of second-guessing everything I did. You know, what did I miss? What did I 
say wrong, what should I have said and didn't say. And I was just kind of backing off, feeling like uh, I had not done my job. And as I backed away, the man made his move to the altar. Not only did he come to the altar, but when he came, he came so rapidly. His, his, his initial thrust, his takeoff was dynamic. I mean, when he came, he really, he, he got with it. I mean, he, he stumbled. He was moving so quick, he stumbled and almost fell. His head got so far ahead of his feet that uh, he almost flipped. And he, he finally got his balance, hit the altar, a half hour, had the Holy Ghost. The church got all excited. We, we all played with the newborn babe, you know, hallelujah, goo-goo, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> finally, finally he got all settled down, and we got all settled down, and he said, uh, preacher, he said, uh, uh, can, I, can I say something? I said, yes, sir, you, you are the center of attraction. Anything you want to say, just, you know, just uh, say it. He said, all I want to say is, uh, I'd like to express my appreciation. He said, whoever it was that pushed me out in the aisle, I want to say thank you. I said, I said, I said, what? He said, no, he said, it's all right. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. But he said, he said, whoever pushed me out in the aisle, you know, and I thought, I didn't know who he was, didn't know his name, and, and he, just, he just got the Holy Ghost, and I didn't know how much more of the spiritual stuff he could handle. And, 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 and I said, well, I said, uh, he said, no, he said, it's all right. He said, I appreciate it. But somebody pushed me on the aisle. I said, well, why don't you go stand back where you were, and we'll all get where we were, and try and figure out who pushed you? You know, I wanted to kind of, kind of take it easy. And so he did. He went and stood where he was, and I knew where we were. We was all up here. And uh, he looked to his left, and there was nobody there. He looked behind him, and, and the only thing behind him was that just that caboose bunch, you know, way in the back. You know. And they, they, uh, they, they, they couldn't even touch God. I don't touch him. <laughs> and so he looked, he looked behind him. He looked to his left. And I could see the frustration on his face. And then he, then he looked across the aisle. And I said, sir, that's, I said, really? I said, that's, that's enough. I said, I, I'm not acquainted with you very well. But I said, nobody could be on this side of the aisle and reach across the aisle make a little U-turn with your arm and give you a shove. I really think what happened was that the Lord looked down and saw a hungry, sincere heart. And somewhere in his arsenal, somewhere in his angelic troops, he told one angel, he said, get him, and pew, he was God. I mean, just angels are really something else. Praise God. They're quick. They're, they're decisive. Uh, they, they are, uh, if need be, they're eloquent. They are muscle. They are finesse. They are tough. They are a touch. But whatever it takes, uh, the good Lord has a whole bunch. And all he does is just give the signals. And I mean, they, they, they go, what I'm trying to say is, I'm not putting angels down. I mean, because I know there's a whole bunch here now. And I don't want to offend not, not one of them. And, and, and the way I drive, I don't want to offend any of them. You know, want them to go with that. I mean, really, angels are, are, are fantastic. The old man one time took a knife and was just about to take his, his son's life. And uh, his boy laid there looking up, his dad staring at his chest with a dagger, just about to take his life, and would have. 
It's stepping angel on cue, on time, but this fast. And said, take care of Abraham. And he was just about to stab his boy. And the angel said, Abraham, don't you do it. When the angel spoke, it locked his arm and, and, and squeezed his heart until tears of joy, no doubt, on his face. An angel did that. Praise God. One time, one time there was an army of 185,000 Assyrians. And they were arrayed for battle, prepared to go to war. And it was, they had the audacity out there. They had set their face against the children of God. There wasn't Boy Scouts. There were soldiers. They had biceps. They had the war strategy in their brain. Their, uh, veterans, no doubt, of many a battle. They knew what to do, how to do, and they had, they had done it before. And the Lord looked down, and 185,000 soldiers and, and about to attack uh, the children of God. And the Lord looked down and saw that, and he thought, now that's a, that's a pretty healthy Pretty healthy looking bunch. And I mean, it was all tight and tuned and, and trained, and, and, and I mean, they knew how to do it. You know. Somebody told me, I didn't know it till last night, that we just enrolled a young man that is a karate expert. And I want him in my office. I want him to work as close to me as he can get. Good big God. I mean, the, the, these soldiers, they knew, they knew how to fight. And the Lord looked down at 185,000 troops. He said, you want war? I'll give you war. You want to fight? I'll give you a worthy opponent. Leave my kids alone, but I'll send a, a, a justifiable, you know, uh, uh, opponent. And he looked around in, in, in his great resources and dispatched one angel. He looked at that angel. He said, uh, uh, do I have to tell you what to do or, or do, you, do you get the picture? And, and, and not, not a whole bunch, just one. Just, just looked down and saw that bunch of muscular guys and, and, and just, just say the word, Commander. And the commander said, uh, uh, get them. And, and before they could pull their swords, the war was over. You know, they, they, they thought it was, it was wars declared until they read the small print. And it wasn't wars declared. The war was over. In, in fact, they couldn't even read because it was all dead. Just, just one angel. I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking angels have been involved in, in some fantastic situations. Daniel prayed until God gave him something special. But Daniel couldn't understand it until the Lord called Gabriel to his side. He said, Gabriel, go down and talk to Daniel. Explain to him the vision, and uh, you know, kind of get you get your chalkboard and 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 draw some little stickmen and, and a whole bunch of weeds and explain to Daniel what the vision is. Gabriel said, "All right," and he did such a good job. Now, by the time Gabriel got through with Daniel, Daniel could could uh, articulate to us in such a way that now we understand the vision. But until Gabriel told it Daniel, Daniel couldn't really see the picture. But Gabriel went down and said, now, uh, two and two and four. Say this to me, two and two or four. And he kind of broke it all down. Gabriel did that. In fact, it was Gabriel that walked into the, to the household of an old couple. And I mean, uh, the lady of the house, uh, she, she was old. She had wrinkles 
stacked on top of wrinkles. She would, she would sit down and then she would settle. I mean, she was old. And Gabriel said to the, to the lady in the house, she said, uh, 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 Gabriel said, Elizabeth, uh, uh, you better, you better kind of take a deep breath. But as old as you are, and as disappointed as you have been over the years for the lack of a child, uh, I, I, I bring you uh, good news of great joy. In your old body, you will produce a son, call his name John. And when you, when you, tell, when you tell Zachariah, kind of ease it to the fella, you know. And, and, and while she is communicating with her husband, Zachariah, Gabriel leaves there and goes to the other end of the spectrum of life. And now he's in the home of a young girl. So young, she's still single. She's not even married. And Gabriel says to her, he says, uh, you have not been uh, without being noticed. In fact, you have found favor with God. And inside your single body, uh, you will conceive and bring forth a son. Her eyes got big, and Gabriel kind of slowed down. Said, you see, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you, and there'll be a supernatural conception, and you will bring forth a boy. I'll take care of Joseph. I'll take care of Herod. I'll take care of the particulars. But inside, Gabriel did that. And what, I, what I'm trying to say is, Gabriel, if you're here, please see me as a friend. I mean, I, I know where you've been, and I know some of the places you have visited. I highly esteem you, Gabriel, but at your best, all you are is, a, is an angel, kind of connected some kind of way to the maternity ward. I don't, I don't know how it is, but at your best, all you are is an angel. Praise God. I had a, I had a lady in the office uh, talking with me several years ago. And uh, in fact, I was pastoring in a neighboring city here. She had a grown son that was a real disappointment to her. And he wasn't there, so I couldn't help him. But she was there, and I was trying to help her. And, and I thought, well, maybe it will help if I just, just listen to what she has to say and, and let her unburden her heart and just, just open up and talk. I just sat there listening, and, you know, she just went, she went on and on, and the longer she talked, the deeper she got into her story, and she kind of picked up her rhythm, and she began uh, uh, telling me things that I had never heard before, and some secrets of the family, and I wasn't interested in the secrets, except that I, I felt like it was doing her some good, just to kind of, kind of talk it off her chest. I just sat there listening. She, she talked and just stacked it on, on the desk. I mean, it just, just piled up. And I thought, poor, poor lady. And, 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 and I knew her well, and I loved her. And I thought, oh, when, when, when she gets through telling me her story, she was, she was dead. I mean, right now it feels good. But after she realizes that, that she has opened the vault of uh, family traditions and, and just, just uh, showed me all of their, of their secrets, I just figured she'd be kind of disappointed that she did. And so I, I'm still, I'm listening to her here and back here I'm thinking, what, what can I say smart? When she gets all through, that I could help her with a real graceful exit, kind of, kind of make make all this worthwhile, and not 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 uh, uh, kind of cap this whole session off 
with a, with a quick flood of, of depression. I didn't want that. And so I'm trying to think of something smart to say so I could help her when she got through. And she got through before I could think of something smart. And all of a sudden, she's just sitting there looking at me. And she's through and I wasn't ready. And, and I, wanted, I wanted so bad to, to say something, not, not for my ego, but to help her. Something that would make sense and, and kind of give her an easy exit. And, and, and I couldn't think of nothing. And, and I just said, well, uh, oh well. And she said, and she did just what I thought she'd do. She kind of got that, that little, she blushed and she got that little nervous giggle that we get sometimes, you know, kind of, kind of little space filler. Don't know what to say, so we giggle. You know, she, she said, uh, <laughs> she said, uh, she said, I, I, I guess it's obvious to you that my son is no angel. I said, what did you say? And, and what little bit I got up here got to working. I said, what did you say? She said, <laughs> she said it, it, it's obvious to both of us that my son is no angel. And when she said that, I jumped up off my chair and I said, hallelujah. She said, for what? I said, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's fantastic. She said, what? I said that your boy is no angel. Because see, if he was an angel, guilty of all that you told me he was guilty of, there'd be no future. Be no future at all. But because he is a people, there's all kind of potential. Praise God. Well, you see, Calvary is designed not for angels. Sorry, Gabriel. Calvary is designed for people. Praise God. One, one fellow told me one time, he said, Preacher, you don't understand. He said, he said I'm... I'm bad. I said, you what? He said, I'm bad. I said, good. He said, no, you don't, you don't understand. He said, uh, his nickname was crazy. And he was, he's crazy. He said, you don't understand. He said, he said I'm, I'm real bad. I said, you're real bad. He said, I am real bad. I said, good. He said, Preacher, we're not, we not, we not getting together on this. <laughs> he said, he said uh, among my bunch, he said, they all know there is nothing I won't do and probably have done already. He said, I am considered among the gang. They don't come worse than me. He said, I'm mean. I'm ugly. I'm, uh, I'm brutal. I am bad. I said, dear God, are you all that? He said, I'm all that and more. And I said, good. <laughs> see, I, I, I wasn't justifying his wickedness. But you see, because we are people and we have problems and we all have been wicked, that's the reason why all this gospel business was originated. It was all designed for people like me and people like you. Sorry, Gabriel. All you are is just an angel. And Peter said that the angels desire to look into this. Boy. Delivered, Gabriel has never been delivered from nothing. Nothing. Gabriel has never one time been encouraged because he's never been discouraged. I mean, the Lord just pushed the button and he, he blasts off. <laughs> you know. He's here now, you know why he's here? If he's here now, 
And if you all please understand it. But if he's here now, you know why he's here? Because the Lord said, go to Bunga Luka. Yes, sir. Now why are you here? Because you wanted to come. You know, you could have gone to New Orleans or, 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 or Peoria, you know, the way you want to, but, but not, not. If Gabe is here, he's here because the Lord said, get there, be on time, and hang around the third pew. Say, yes, sir. He's never been encouraged because he's never been down. Never been delivered. That's why Peter said, listen, you might be uh, in the process of being persecuted and maybe a few fingers pointing your way and a few words sticking around uh, somewhere in your body. But he said, don't forget, conduct yourself in a grand fashion because you are the recipients of something fantastic and very expensive. It's gospel. It's from heaven. It is designed for you, and we have it. So great that the angels desire it. Man, man, come to me one, one Sunday morning, and I've been watching him for several months, coming to church. He, he didn't, you know, he wasn't any part of the, the, the program. Just, he came and claimed to have the Holy Ghost. Received it elsewhere, but I knew he was still smoking, and uh, he wouldn't hurt nothing. So I'm preaching, teaching, he's coming. One Sunday morning, he, he called me over here uh, at the service. He said, uh, I'm sure you are not aware of this, but he said, uh, I'm still smoking. I thought, well, sir, uh, not only am I aware of this, but but I think half of this city knows that. <laughs> and I just, I just said, oh, oh, he said, he said, but the Holy Ghost just now talked to me and told me if you lay hands on me and pray for me tonight, I'll be delivered. And I thought, you know, I thought, come on, man. Uh, if, if that was in my own reasoning, I thought if that was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost for the sake for me to do it now, you know. Not, not go home this afternoon and smoke a pack, come back tonight. And, and you know, in and, and fact, I really thought, I thought, how come this is the card I get? You know. <laughs> everybody, everybody else gets move-ins, you know, and, and their doctors of their own half of AT&T, and, and, and this, this is what I get. You know. I said, I said, all right, all right, boy, I left him, boy. I got, man, I, I, I just, okay, I left him. I was shaking hands with everybody over here because he's over there. That night, uh, we had service, and, and it was all concluded. And, and uh, I didn't have to look over there to know it was there. I could feel he was over there. And I just, I, I just knew he was. So, man, I prayed for everybody in, in the their relatives over here. I just stayed over here. And, and, and finally, uh, uh, I glanced over there. When I did, he, he caught my attention, called me over. He said, did you forget me? I said, how could I forget you? <laughs> if Gable was there, I'm sure, if he, if he has, if he has wings, or if he has hair, if he has a head, he scratched it. Because <laughs> that, that man reached out and took my hand and put it on his head. I said, pray for me. And, and, and I, I had mixed emotions. But I prayed. When I got done praying, I was gone. I was gone. Gabriel, you must have been some kind of confused trying to figure this one out. Wednesday night came, and he, he stood in testimony, said, nobody knows about this except the pastor and me. But he said, I thank the Lord for three days of victory. Sunday night come, and he stood with a big smile, and he said, 
All I got to say is I still got what I had Wednesday night. I still got the victory. It was, it was one week and two weeks and three weeks and four weeks and two months and six months. And, and he's, he's still saying, God delivered me for smoking cigarettes like a smoked stack. God delivered me. The angels never one time in all their existence. Angels have never been delivered from nothing. So Peter said when you face obstacles, when you face persecutions, don't, don't, don't forget that already you have enjoyed some things that angels have never enjoyed. You are a veteran in the area of uh, having been delivered from sin, delivered from, from uh, uh, shackles that were bind. Angels don't know what or has never been involved with repentance. And I just have to, have to confess to you that every now and then I, uh, I have a real battle with being cocky. And you should never be cocky. You know that. I know that. But every now and then, I feel just a little cocky. I'm confessing, don't, don't do as I say. I mean, don't be cocky, that's bad. <laughs> but but, but, but you, gotta, you got to understand where I'm coming from. You know, you, you got to, I mean, I'm, I'm the guy, as a, as a young fella, I finished fourth in every four-man race that I ever ran in. I mean, I, I, the one time I, I enrolled in the little, little schoolyard track meet, Matt Donna number 14 in New Orleans, just a, just a school track meet. And I, I signed up for everything they had, uh, the 50-yard dash and the 60-yard dash and and the broad jump and the high jump, I signed up everything. I didn't hardly finish first a race one to start race two. I mean, I, I would just be coming in from the first race and barely get back in time to be in the second race. You know, and I, I just catch my breath and I'd go again. Lost every one of them. Broad jump, oh man, I know how. I got my, my, my uh, spaces and my, you know, my stride all figured out. And, and I ran and I hit the board and I flung myself in the air and didn't hardly reach the pit. I mean, I just barely got in the pit. I mean, I, you, you got to understand where I'm coming from. You know, one time in high school, uh, physical education class, they wouldn't let us play that class spirit on the field because they had a football game that weekend. So we, we had to have class on the sideline. So instead of being 50 or 55 yards wide, our playing field was 25 yards wide. Instead of being 11 on 11, it was the class divided in two that made about 35 against 35, you know, on a 25-yard uh, wide field. And it was, a, it was a standing rule that odds, if the ball comes to you, don't, don't touch it, don't catch it, just get out the way. <laughs> and here, here I am on the 20-yard on the, on the line, and I'm sorry, I either catch it or eat it. I mean, it come right at me. You know, and I caught it, and, and I wasn't supposed to, but I ran. And, and we we playing we playing touch. Back in those days, they didn't have two hand touch and flat touches. You know, just touch, just touch it, and you're down. And I caught that thing, and I start running toward the other end of the field. And everybody that got close to me, they either tripped, or stumbled, or fell. Nobody touched me. And after I ran about 40 yards, I was all pumped up. I thought, man, 
I always knew I could do it. Yeah. Oh, and I got the, I got the, I mean, I was doing it. And I run my 80 yards and TD and oh, and I got to think a few days later, I thought, there ain't no way. There's no way a fella can run 80 yards in slow motion. And 35 guys miss him. Ain't no way. You know, they, they just all got together and, and just made for me a special day. I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from. That's, that's why every now and then, and at the worst times, I kind of feel just a little cocky. And it, 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 overta it overtakes me right when I'm, when I'm saying to somebody's ear, would you hold your nose? And hold your wrist with the other hand. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put you under the water. May seem a little awkward, but I won't drop you. Uh, just about to baptize somebody in Jesus' name when I get that that, that bad feeling. I just I kinda I've never done it, but I've always thought I'd like to just stop right here and say, Gabe, eat if you got one. Eat your heart out. Because you, you can't do, I know you like to, but you can't do what I'm doing. You might be swift of foot if you got feet. And you might go from the east to the west like lightning across the horizon. You may have, you may have been involved in all kind of fantastic situations. And I know you like to be doing this but you have never been baptized in Jesus' name yourself, and you have never baptized a candidate in Jesus' name. You can't, but I can, and the reason why I can, I'm people, and the reason why you can't is because all you are is just an angel. You know, go tell somebody they're gonna have a baby. And I'll take care of all this important stuff. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Peter said, don't forget, don't forget. It might be chaotic. It might be much pressure. But don't forget what you got. You may have some, some battles to fight. You may have some wars to participate in, but don't forget what you got, what you have. It is so dynamic that the Bible said angels would like to trade places with you. Praise God. Believe it or not, when I was in in the seventh and eighth grade, maybe the sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Played it uh, not, not too bad. I learned how to play the trumpet. In fact, uh, they used to have then all the cities in Louisiana would, uh, in their school systems, would select what they called a all-city band, and then then the cities would compete in Baton Rouge in a statewide contest. Well, the biggest New Orleans was. I was selected to be in that little uh, all-city all orchestra, about eight trombones, and I played third chair, I think it was. That meant there was two better than me and five worse than me. But all eight 
was the best there was in the city. What are you saying? I'm just saying, Gabriel. I'm just saying to you that uh, one time years ago, I couldn't play it out this way because of my coordination and my specificity, but I, I, I played it down this way. I slid the slide on my, on my knee, but I had a good lip and good, good wind. No comments, please. But uh, so I, I did all right. And I learned, what, what I'm saying is, Gabriel, if I took a notion, and if the law would, would, would okay it, or even help me, that'd be better. But unless he stopped me, if I took a notion, I could learn how to toot your horn. Uh, you don't think I could? I could. I don't know if they got vows or just a few going, but I could learn. I can learn, don't snicker at me. I can learn how to toot your horn. But you know what? He can't learn how to sing my song. Did, did, did you catch it? Did you catch it? can sing the song of redemption. <laughs> I redeemed our Lord divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I have been purchased and I have been redeemed. You will never learn how to sing that song. Aren't you glad for what we have? Amen.